children four years old through sixth grade uh, can be dismissed to go back to KWC Junior. And uh, parents, grandparents, you can pick them up in room six after service. Join me in prayer, would you? So, Father, we come before you today acknowledging that you are the one true God, that there is no one like you. There is no one above you. There is no one beside you. You are one of one. And you are exactly what we need today. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our ears to hear from you as we study your word together. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show us what exactly we need to see and exactly what we need to do in response to your word. I pray this, and if that is your prayer, say amen with me. Amen. Well, it is very good to be with you this morning. A, a couple quick things before we get into God's Word. I do want to say, if you're a first-time guest or visitor with us, so glad that you chose to be with us this morning, whether you're in person or online. Uh, if Either way, if you would take a Connect card in person or fill out the Connect card digitally if you're online uh, and just hit Submit if you're online or if you're in person, you can take that to the Connection Center after church and we'll make sure that... Uh, you get a gift as our thank you for being with us uh, in worship this morning. Um, again, so good, so good to be with you. Uh, do you know anyone with ADD or ADHD? And like some of you, like, yep, sitting next to them. That's why, like, okay. And maybe, maybe you are the one with ADD or ADHD, and I, th I think sometimes ADD, ADHD can be over, overdiagnosed, but I think it can also be misunderstood. And um, for years, I didn't really understand it. I still wouldn't say that I understand it, but I look at it differently than I used to, in part because uh, a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine that is my mentor currently, um, just posted not too long ago that he has ADHD. I didn't know this about him, but he posted a little uh, thing on Facebook and shared some of the, the strengths of having ADHD, but also some of the challenges that come with it. And I pretty much had always focused on the, the challenges that are known with ADD, ADHD, and, and kind of that, hey, look, there's a squirrel kind of personality and and easily distracted you know what i'm saying and here's the thing as we look at the book of hebrews it's almost as if the writer of hebrews is writing to a group of people that have spiritual add adhd like like they spiritually like they're going along they're driving along and maybe you've been there where you're driving along and you're having a conversation with somebody and like we're going deep into things, and then all of a sudden, hey, look, there's a squirrel. And, and then the, the conversation just, like, gets torpedoed. It's, it's just, it's gone, right? Whatever you were talking about, that deep conversation, it's over because they wanted to look at a squirrel. And it's that way in a, in a sense, but it, it seems to be even even deeper than that, as I really think about it, and, and it's not like 
hey, look, there's a squirrel. There's something deeper going on than just like losing focus spiritually. Uh, A few weeks ago, as we started our study of the book of Hebrews, we saw the writer telling them to be careful not to drift. We talked about the importance of anchoring in to God's Word and spending time with Him consistently. And this is going to be a continual theme, not just the whole idea of anchor, as we have this series of the book of Hebrews, and we're calling it Anchor, but this idea of continually focusing in on their faith. The the Hebrew writer is going to continue to go about faith, 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 faith. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Focusing their attention on Jesus. And that's what he's going to point us to today because here's the thing. If our life is not focused on Jesus, we will shipwreck. If our faith is not founded in Jesus and grounded in Jesus, we will shipwreck. And the Hebrew writer is writing to those saying, you're about to shipwreck. You're in some really dangerous waters. And there's, there's a, a sense of warning that's in this letter, like, wake up, but there's also a, just a deep sense of, I genuinely, deeply care about you. Please pay attention. I'm concerned about where your life seems to be headed. Pay attention. Pay attention. Don't go the same route that others have taken. It's kind of like on a Michigan day when we've had some snow and the roads start to get slick and you see, start to see different vehicles on the side of the road and you start to question and wonder, like, maybe we need to just stay home. Maybe we need to do something different. And, and as we start to evaluate and understand and maybe even think of different ones in our own lives whose faith has been shipwrecked, and start to see some warning signs that we need to pay attention to in our own lives so that we don't have the same, follow the same course and end up with the same results that they did. And so the Hebrew writer is writing to them saying, pay attention, pay attention. There's A lot of different things that can shipwreck our faith. Fear, religious bondage, sin. Any and all of these can sink the the ship. And it was true for them, and it's true for us. And that's why we need to look at Hebrews chapter 3. If you brought a Bible with you, go ahead and grab that. If uh, tablet, smartphone, if you want to use that, you got the Bible app, uh, go ahead and turn there. Uh, If you brought, again, hardback or whatever, brought our own Bible that you can flip the pages, awesome. Didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We've got one in front of you. If you want to just look uh, there in front of you, the chair, um, you should be able to see one of those. If you're grabbing one of those, you can turn to page 847. Love for you to be able to follow along. We're just going to look at the first six verses of chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. Just going to look at the first six verses. There's a lot here. Uh, for us to unpack with, with one big takeaway 
and then three things that we're going to look at. We'll talk about that at the end. I just kind of want to walk our way through these verses and make sure that we're seeing everything that there is to see. Therefore, and usually we say, well, when there's a therefore, you've got to go back to see what the therefore is there for. Here's the thing. I would love for you to do at some point, not right now, and not in the next 30 minutes. Okay? At some point, like after you go home, okay? at some point, go through the book of Hebrews and, and count how many times the writer uses the word therefore. It's almost like trying to count potholes in Michigan. But it, and what's happening is the book of Hebrews is different than many other books. And it's, it's pretty rare. There's some similarities in what Paul wrote in his letters and so forth. But, but for the whole letter and, and for a number of chapters, more than 10 chapters, he's building systematic theology is what they would point to. He, he begins with an introductory premise. It all comes back to Jesus, and Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact representation of him. That's what the Hebrew writer is building on. The radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his beings. And so everything goes back to that phrase, but he's building onto it. Who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what that can and should mean for you and I. And in the case of the Hebrews that were receiving the letter, what it would mean for them. Then he says, holy brothers and sisters, which we see a tie into what we talked about last week, because of what Jesus has done in building the bridge between us and God, allowing us to actually become adopted into the family of God, where we can actually be children of God. Before that, we're just created by God. But we can actually become his children through adoption. That's one of the things that takes place when we come to Jesus. We become his children, his sons and his daughters. And Jesus, we saw last week, we, we actually are called brothers and sisters by Jesus, which is an amazing thought. But he says, holy brothers and sisters. And just, just worth noting, in my opinion, this is the only time in all of Scripture that we see holy brothers or holy brothers and sisters used. The only time. It's a reminder of separation of saying, this is who you are in Christ. Holy because of the righteousness of God, because you've been cleansed from your sin, been set on a path of righteousness, of holiness, set apart unto God, but also that your brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, twofold, it's where the calling is coming from, it's coming from heaven, it's coming from the Lord, it's coming from Jesus himself, because we go back to chapter 1, and continuing on, the Hebrew writer is talking about the message of Jesus, how Jesus has called us, how Jesus um, has spoken different words, and how we are to respond to that. And the, the call essentially is the, the message of the gospel. 
that we're called from heaven and we're called to heaven. And so we have the heavenly calling. And then we have three words that we're going to come back to later. But I want you to just kind of file these three words back in your brain, not too far back, because we, we're going to pull from them later, okay? Some of you with ADHD, ADD, squirrel. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say, fix your thoughts. Okay, we need to fix our thoughts, so we're going to come back to that. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Only time in Scripture that Jesus is called an apostle. When we think of apostles, usually we think of the, like, the disciples, the 12 that, that walked with Jesus for three years of, of earthly ministry, and then the 11 that after Judas betrayed him, they, they became known as the apostles went and declared the message of Jesus Christ. We maybe think of the Apostle Paul in addition to those 11 and maybe even Barnabas or, or one or two others, but we think of religious leaders. But an apostle is somebody that declares the message of Jesus Christ. Well, nobody declared the message of Jesus Christ more than or better than Jesus Christ himself. The messenger was the message and we'll come back to that later on and high priest and high priest is something that the Hebrew writer is going to talk about quite a bit a little bit that we've already covered in previous uh, texts and if you've missed part of the series some of you again this is your first Sunday and it's awesome to see you some of you we maybe we just haven't seen for a little bit whether you've been online or not whatever the case if you've missed part of the study earlier, you can always go back to either Facebook or YouTube or just kingstonwesleyan.com and catch up on what you've missed, okay? Again, the book of Hebrews is building onto things, and I don't have the time, nor do you, and you certainly don't have the desire to listen to me for hours, right? Okay, don't answer that. Don't answer that. We'll just pretend that you're just like, no, we'd love to listen to you for hours, okay? <laughs> you, you can't do that with me. You can't fool me. Okay. But you go back and you, and you can fill in the, the rest of this. But he's been talking about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, particularly as our, as our high priest. We'll, we'll touch on that as we close today. But we'll look at it a lot more deeper in the coming weeks because the Hebrew writer is going to compare Jesus as high priest to Melchizedek as high priest. Okay, So we'll look at it deeper down the road. Verse 2, he, speaking of who? Jesus. He was faithful. Everybody say faithful. We, we just sang a, a song that talked about the faithfulness of God. He's the same God through every generation, through every year, through every tribulation, through everything that you go through. He's the same God, and He is a faithful God. And in particular, speaking of the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Himself, He was faithful to the one who appointed Him. He was faithful to God's, the Father's call on Him to come to the earth to become a man, and to die on the cross for our sins, he was faithful, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. And so Hebrew writer is going to do here what he does a lot throughout the book, 
is there's some comparison and some con- con- contrast, right? He's like Moses in that they're both faithful. Moses was faithful in all God's house. Moses was faithful in leading the people of God as a servant of God. Moses had a specific call on his life from God to do a specific task, to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, and then to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. And the Hebrew writer says, Moses was faithful in all God's house. But catch this, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor. Now he's speaking again to Hebrews, and the Hebrews looked at Moses as the guy. And the Hebrew writer is like, okay, Moses was awesome, but Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Kind of like the, the modern, modern arguments that people have with the GOAT. Who's the GOAT? Greatest of all time in basketball. Who's the GOAT? And some say, well, Michael Jordan's the GOAT. And others say, no, 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 that's not Michael Jordan. It's LeBron. And some, who said Kobe Bryant? That's blasphemy. <laughs> okay, we, we've got this, we got the, the different opinions, Right? How do you figure it? And some say, well, look at rings. And, and there's different things that you think of football, right? They just had the Super Bowl. Who's the greatest of all time in football? You guys better know the answer to this one. Tom Brady. But some say, well, Patrick Mahomes. Well, blah, 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 blah. And there's all these arguments. But here's the thing. And, and most of the arguments when it comes to sports it really comes back to subjective things. What you value the most. Do you value rings the most? Championships the most? Do you value points the most? Like, what do you value most? The Hebrew writers laid out a very strong case already, and he's going to continue to build the case of how Jesus is the greatest of all time, period. In everything. At everything. Like, you name it, he's the greatest. Because he's Jesus. He's been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Moses helped lead the house, but here he's going to say Jesus is over the house. Moses was faithful, props to him, good for him. But Jesus was also faithful, and what Jesus was faithful to and continues to be faithful to is of greater importance, greater honor than what Moses was because the role is more significant. The role is greater. He continues on, verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Again, kudos to Moses. Way to go. He did what he was supposed to do. We give him respect, we give him honor, but Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. So Moses is faithful as a servant in God's house. Jesus was faithful as Son over God's house. One was a servant in, one is the Son 
over. Jesus is greater. And we are his house. Here's where we're going to land, and then we're going we're to talk about what exactly has been said and what it means for us, okay? And he says, and we are his house, so we're his people. That's what it's talking about. Not talking about, it's kind of confusing because he's talked about like literal builders, like the builder of the house is greater than the house. You think of brick and mortar or whatever your house is made of, and, and like, the builder of the house is greater than the house, but here we're talking about a, not a, a literal house, but he's talking about the people of God. Just as Moses was the servant in the house of God, serving the, the, the people of God, he's talking about the, the people of God. If we, we are his house, but here's the thing, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence, in the hope in which we glory. So I have a question for you. And I know some of you, it's, it's been a little while. It's, it's been a day since you were in school. I won't even say what grade since it, you know, how long it's been. But do, does anybody know what kind of word if is? It's a conjunction. Okay. Now, some of you are closer to my age, and, and you grew up, or your children grew up, if you're a little older than me, and, and maybe it's still on there, schoolhouse rock. <laughs> some of you are with me, like, some of you just, like, just woke up, you're like, I'm excited now, schoolhouse rock, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Some of you just had a holy moment right there, Okay. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? What does if do? What does a conjunction do? It, it combines two thoughts. Okay, so there's, there's a phrase and then another phrase, and it puts them together. But if is a certain kind of conjunction. It's a conditional clause conjunction. Some of you are going to English class tomorrow going, Check out what we learned, okay? So here's the thing. If means A and B come together, but if one of these doesn't happen, the other one doesn't happen. If one of them's not true, the other one's not true. You follow? So here's what we're looking at. And here's what the, the writer of Hebrews is going after today but he's, he's going after this like continually because, again, the people that he's writing to are about to shipwreck their faith. He's seen others do the same. He sees the path that they're on, or the, the potential at least, for their faith to be shipwrecked. And so there are warnings throughout the book of Hebrews. We are his house, and we talk about how great it is to be in the house of the Lord, but also how great it is to be the, the people of God, and it is, it is amazing. But there is a warning. There is a conditional clause that's provided in this conjunction. We are the people of God, if you want to just put it this way. We are the people of God if, 
if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. And so as we think about holding firmly, again, it's kind of the idea of an anchor, something that's, that's going to keep us steady. Now here's the thing, when we get into translations and how translations can maybe be helpful or not as helpful in understanding what the text actually says. So with verse 6, I looked it up in about 10 different translations, and I'm going to share a couple with you just to show how, how sometimes it can be helpful to read God's Word in a couple or three, maybe even four different translations because it can help you get a better understanding of what the author, the author, really intends with the writing that we have and what we're reading. So here's the CEV, which is a, a version that we use in some of our, our children's ministries. It's, it's a pretty good uh, translation, and, and it tends to be more readable even than the NIV, which I think is fairly readable, and that's, it's kind of the middle of the road as far as translations go, as far as readability. But the CEV is a little bit more readable, especially uh, people have found that, that it's a, a great translation, especially for those working with, working with students. So here's how it captures verse 6. But Christ is the Son in charge of God's people, and we are those people. If we keep on being brave and don't lose hope. I, I like that instead of just using the, the, the word house and all that, it, it makes it a little easier to understand because especially younger children tend to think more concrete, not abstract. And so if you're talking about them being a house, it's like, how am I a house? doesn't make a lot of sense. So I like that. But it, it, the emphasis seems to be maybe a little bit off, a little misleading. And we are those people. We are his people. We are the house of God. We're, we're the church. We're the, the redeemed, the saved, if we keep on being brave and don't lose hope. So what does that seem to suggest? We've got to be brave. Don't lose hope. Well, that is true to the text. But it can be a little bit misleading, in my opinion. Especially if we're not taking in the whole context of what's being said. Here's verse 6 in the New Living Translation, another translation that we also use uh, with our children and one that I oftentimes will read uh, supplementary to the NIV, which I usually read for my devotional reading. But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So this translation, again, it's not as helpful in some ways because it uses more of an, more of an abstract term, which is true to the original text, but it adds this little phrase here in Christ because that was what the Hebrew writer was saying. Here's what we've got to stay anchored to. It comes back to Jesus. We've got to keep the faith in Jesus. It's not like how, how well can you hold on? How, can you put, how, how well are you at keeping your brave face on? How good are you at mustering hope? But it really it comes back to what we saw in verse 1 of chapter 3. Fix your 
eyes. Uh, the, the whole idea is Jesus, 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 right? Uh, we got to fix your thoughts. We got to pay attention. We got to, what are we really talking about? What are we really focusing on? Instead of getting not just sidetracked, but instead of completely forgetting about Jesus and walking away from faith in Jesus, giving up believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus for salvation, for every day of our life. Because in life, too many people suffer from stinking thinking. You've probably been there yourself. How many of you have ever been overwhelmed with fear? When you become overwhelmed with fear, you know what is at the root of that? Stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. How many of you have ever been caught in sin? You know what's at the root of that? Stinking thinking. You look at the root of things. How many of you have ever been hopeless? You know what's at the root of that? Stinking thinking. So what do we need to do? We need to fix our thoughts. Well, how do we fix our thoughts? It goes back to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Here's the the big idea. Kind of in a nutshell. To fix your thoughts in life, you have to fix your thoughts on Jesus. To fix your thoughts in life, Don't want your thoughts to be overwhelmed with fear and dread and hopelessness. Don't want your life to be marked and marred by sin. You got to fix your thoughts. And to fix your thoughts in life, you have to fix your thoughts on Jesus. And there's two different ways that we can look at this and understand this. And I think it's imperative that we take those two together. So, first of all, we we take this literally and what the author is talking about. We need to fix our thoughts on Jesus, which is we need to anchor our thoughts on him. Whenever we are overwhelmed with fear, it's because we're thinking about whatever we're afraid of, not whatever, not we're not thinking about Jesus, right? Like when David went out to fight Goliath. David wasn't focused on his fear. He wasn't focused on Goliath. He was focused on the Lord. It all come back to, it comes back to the Lord. We sang the song about David and Goliath. David kept coming back to the Lord. Like, I, I'm not focused on you. I'm focused on the Lord. Why? Because he's bigger than the giant in front of me. And when I focus on God, the giants in my life, they don't seem to be that big anymore. But you got to fix your thoughts on Jesus to fix your thoughts in life. And so the Hebrew writers, like literally, you need to fix your thoughts on Jesus. It, it should be Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime. Some of you know that song, right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime. 
Jesus. Some of you know it. Jesus, Jesus when the sun goes down. But too often it's worry, worry, worry in the morning, right? You got to fix your thoughts on Jesus if you want to fix your thoughts in life. Literally, we've got to have Jesus on our brain. When we wake up, we go throughout the day, we're thinking about him. We're thinking about who Jesus is. We're thinking about what Jesus has done and what that means for us. And I guarantee you, if Jesus is on your brain, it will change how you live because it will change how you think. So we've got to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Don't fall to stinking thinking. But here's the thing. When we fix our thoughts on Jesus, we've got to make sure that we're fixing our thoughts on Jesus because there's a lot of thoughts about Jesus that are, that are not biblical. There are a lot of thoughts about Jesus that are, that are not correct. And if you're thinking on that Jesus, it's not going to fix what's broken in your life. It's not going to keep you from shipwrecking your faith. That's why it's so important that we understand the biblical Jesus. And I don't know that there's a writer in the rest of Scripture that, that presents as full and complete of a picture of who Jesus is than what we find in Hebrews. But it's important that we understand the biblical Jesus some of you, if you watch the Super Bowl and watch the commercials, which I know some of you, like, that's the only reason why you watch the Super Bowl. Some of you may have seen a commercial, a couple different commercials, um, by a group called He Gets Us. HeGetsUs.com. And there's been a lot of different things that have been said, especially after this series of ads from this Super Bowl. They've, they've had other ads for the last couple years or more. I'm not gonna say where I land on He Gets Us. Okay, I will say where I land to an extent. From what I can tell, I genuinely believe that they are brothers and sisters in Christ who mean well, generally speaking. I think they are people that want to try to make a difference and want to present a Jesus that people that won't consider Jesus or won't consider going to a church would actually try to learn about Jesus. And so they have provided some commercials to pique their interest, to get their attention, that presents Jesus as a Jesus that is welcoming, a Jesus that is approachable, a Jesus that loves them. Is that the Jesus of the Bible? Yeah, Jesus is approachable. Jesus is welcoming. Jesus ate with sinners. That's the Jesus. That, that's Jesus in the Bible. He was welcoming. He he loves everyone. 
the the biggest big lash uh, backlash that, excuse me that he gets us has received comes because they they seem to present a Jesus that is all affirming but doesn't present the full truth right it's a Jesus that has good news, but no bad news. It's a Jesus that doesn't say, you're a sinner and that needs to change. And as we go back to what we see, just we'll just look at these six verses and pull out three things that it says about Jesus in particular. So the first one is Jesus is our apostle. So Jesus is our apostle means that Jesus is the messenger. He's the one that proclaims the good news. And I've said earlier, Jesus is the messenger and he's the message. He's the one who has declared the good news and he is the good news. But here's what we know, right? Most of the time in life, if there's good news, there's what? There's bad news. Like, that's why typically, like, it makes the good news better because there was bad news. It's certainly the case with the gospel message. The good news is such good news is because we had some really bad news. The bad news is that we are all sinners. That we've all sinned, Romans says, and fall short of the glory of God. Romans also says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Is that bad news? Can we all agree on that? That's the bad news. So we need to understand that there is a Jesus that declares to us that there is bad news and that's why he's come to die on the cross for our sins he loves us as we are but he refuses to leave us that way he wants something way better for us than to be stuck in our sin in our stinking thinking and so there's bad news. We're all sinners, and we deserve death. The good news, Jesus loved us so much, he became a man and died on the cross for your sin and mine. That's the message of our apostle that he declares to us. If you want to fix your thoughts in life, you've got to fix your thoughts on Jesus, but let's make sure that we're fixing our thoughts on the right Jesus, amen? The second thing that we see, real quickly, we see that Jesus is our high priest. We saw last week, that means he's the bridge builder. He's the one that goes between a holy God and a sinful humanity and bridges the gap. He's the one that makes the sacrifice, but we saw last week, he is the sacrifice. And we'll look at this deeper as we go, like I mentioned before, but just know this. Apart from Jesus, there is no bridge for the sin that keeps us apart from God. I'm going to say that one more time. Apart from Jesus, there is no bridge for the sin that keeps us apart from God. So to fix our thoughts in life, we've got to fix our thoughts on Jesus. So it told us two things about who Jesus is, what he's done. One final thing that we see, though, is his character. We see that Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful in doing everything that the Father appointed him to do. The last words that Jesus said before he died on the cross, it 
is finished. Tetelestai. It's complete. I've been faithful. I've done everything you told me to do. Jesus leaves nothing undone. Fix your thoughts in life by fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 3.6 tells us Christ is faithful as the son of God's, son over God's house. Church, let me tell you, you can trust him. He is faithful. He never fails. He never leaves something undone. He who started a good work, scripture says, is what? Faithful to complete it in you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. And when we fix our thoughts on Jesus, it just makes us want to praise him, amen? That's why we're going to close by singing a couple songs. Talking about his faithfulness and worshiping him for who he is and what he's done. I'd love for you to stand if you're able as we do just that.